This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you live on YouTube. It is Sunday, April 16th, and Brendan... The Chicago yes. Cubs take two of three. They win a series in Los Angeles against the they Dodgers do. for the first time since 2014. Yes, I know. The last time the Cubs won a series at Dodger Stadium, they hadn't won the World Series in 106 years. Yeah. What happened two years after, though? They won the World they, Series. They won the World Series. Okay. You know, Dang. people sometimes forget that, Corey. 90 seconds in, we got the reference I know. in. I know. Um. We have a lot to talk about. The Chicago Cubs have won three straight series. Now, after taking two of three, they could have swept in LA. We'll talk a little bit about that, I think. Uh, but Brendan and I uh, are here to do the weekly recap. So we're going to look at all things Chicago Cubs, primarily going to be about this Dodgers weekend series, this series win, but just kind of touching on the state of Chicago Cubs baseball for the last week and set you up, of course, for the week to come. We're going to talk about Justin Steele, another dominant outing. He's dating back to the middle of last season. He has been on an incredible run, so we'll be talking about that. We'll talk about him being followed by Jamison Tyone and Drew Smiley, keeping the good vibes going in the starting rotation. We will talk about Patrick Wisdom, who is red hot, Cody Bellinger, Red Hot, uh, doing the damage to his former team that I think we were scared Jason Hayward was going to do. But in this first series, they play each other again uh, not too long. This first series, the trade-off, Jed Hoyer wins. The Cubs win. Cody Bellinger wins. He has the bigger weekend. Um, We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Keegan Thompson, Cody Del Mendo's mayor coming out of the bullpen, getting it done per usual. Say a Suzuki's back in the lineup. Nico Horner is a stolen team. We have a lot to talk about, Brendan, but yeah. before we get into some of the specific conversations that we want to have, let's just start with general vibes, right? The Cubs have won three straight series. They take two or three from the Mariners, the Texas Rangers, and the Los Angeles Dodgers in LA. And you and I have been talking, I don't remember the last time I felt this optimistic about this team. It's unbelievable. I mean, like five years, I actually feel... Like we're going in the right direction. Like the current moment feels good. The current team feels competitive. You see some of the uh, plays like PCA is making in the minors. It feels good. It feels good to be happy about the Cubs. We'll see if it lasts going forward. But in the moment, I know in the moment, I'm going to let myself feel good about this team. It's been so long. Like we deserve this, Corey. You and I deserve this. Cody's in the chat. He deserves this. Everyone deserves this. Yeah. And I I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit last week coming off that series win over the weekend. Um, But you you continue to just see this team. They're not perfect. We know they're not going to be perfect, right? It's not a juggernaut of a team, but they continue to do the things that screen. When we came into this season and we looked at this roster, you could write down a list of like, here's what needs to happen for this group as constructed to be competitive, to be in the NL Central race, to be in an NL wildcard race, which, by the way, if the season ended today, Chicago Cubs are a playoff team, folks. Yeah. So I know it's April. You can calendar check me right now, but I'm just saying, if we're talking about vibes, they're pretty good right now here in Wrigleyville. Um, They're doing a lot of those things. Like this series with the Dodgers this weekend, they bring out the Homer party on Friday night, led by, as everybody predicted, as Ryan Herrera calls him, Jan Gomer, right? Uh, Jan Gomes behind the plate, um, who has a few more home runs than the Cubs' former catcher, who's now in St. Louis. But I'll let oh, Cody touch on that tomorrow. We'll yeah. leave that for Cody. Yeah. yeah. Um, they bring out the Homer party on Friday night. They lose a very close, they have one bad inning on Saturday. And of course it costs him the game, a couple seeing eye ground balls against Michael Fulmer. It is what it is. We can talk about the closer situation later Sunday, another really close game. The bullpen gets it done. You get great starting pitching. You get an insurance run when you need it. They're running the base as well. Some defensive gaffes, especially on Sunday. So not perfect, but generally the defense has been, I think good, 
to pretty good. I think it has room to improve there with, you know, maybe some changes and stuff like that. But in general, they're getting great pitching. They're getting great starting pitching. They're doing enough on offense. You're seeing what you would want to see for what this team looks like if they're going to be competitive. I know that sounds kind of obvious, but just as equally, you had a list of concerns for this roster and how it could play out that they would not look any good. And that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing that this team looks competitive. It looks competitive. The pitching for me, I thought going into the year, the way this team beats their projections is through the pitching. The hitting has enough of the track record where you can see it working out, even with some guys like Bellinger and Mancini, they have track records where you can see it working out. For Steele, in the lower end of the rotation, they don't have that track record. Therefore, some of the projections are not going to be as favorable. So if the starting pitching stabilizes, which it looks as if it's doing with Justin Steele and back end, Smiley looked better today, then the odds they can make the playoffs go up in those projections that we're not good going into the year, they start to change because more data gets put in. The recency starts getting weighed a little bit heavily. That sample size is growing larger. And all of a sudden, you know, the 77 to 81 win projections that we saw most computers give out starts to go up a little bit. 82 wins, 83 wins, yeah. 84 wins. And you can see that realistically happening. It's not a certainty. This is never a certainty, but you want to be in the conversation. You want to have the chance to at least be within the realm of possibility. And I think right now the Cubs are in that realm of possibility. And and depending how you want to look at this, that should give a lot of people confidence. My biggest takeaway from this weekend is just how this team played in tight games against a, this is not the Dodgers team that we have seen in past years. I think if you were watching any of these games and kind of looking at the roster, you're kind of like, hmm, like where are some of the big names? Like this doesn't have the oomph that their lineup usually has. Uh, but it's still a very good team and still a team that has won that division for literally a decade straight uh, and has the pedigree to back it up. And what I took most from this weekend is all of these games were close, right? The Cubs end up with a a good bit of breathing room on Friday night because everybody started hitting homers, but that was a three to two game going into the eighth inning. The game on Saturday, again, it gets away from Falmer. It is what it is, but that was a very close game. The game on Sunday, they're protecting a tight lead. They come back from the 1-0 deficit after Taylor hit the home run. They go up 2-1, to then they increase the lead, and then they protect that 3-2 to lead. That's what this team needs to do, and they're showing it from getting the insurance runs to bringing in a, a, a list of relievers that are getting it done in close games. And if this team is going to continue to be competitive, they have to win these close games. That was why Saturday was so frustrating because you're facing Urias the next day, but this team battled. And Rick Sutcliffe was talking about it on Marquee. Julio Urias got a little rattled in this game, and you could feel it. And then Dave Roberts decided to leave him out there, and that's when the Cubs jumped on it. Uh, but my big takeaway from this is this team is ready and willing to battle in close games and get those W's that are, you know, right on that kind of margin of one play is going to win or lose them. Yeah. And you're seeing improvements too, from most of the lineup, Mancini needs to get going, right? Hosmer in the first base situation needs to get ironed out. I think a lot of us, including many in this chat, want to see Matt Mervis, but the improvements on top of the order from Dansby, from Hap, from Nico, from Bellinger, Saya came back, looked good, launched a home run. That's also encouraging we'll as Saya well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have so much to talk about here, but from the pitching side being stable with like steel in the back end, a lot of my optimism is also because, you know, Nico looks good. Dansby looks good. You're seeing improvements from Cody Bellinger. He looks, you know, maybe not like the MVP, but some of the background peripherals look decent, look encouraging, at least gives us some sense of optimism going forward and you knew like in our minds if we knew that bellinger and wisdom would be above average hitters for the majority of the season that would change all of our thinking a lot of the ideas were okay how can this lineup survive in case they aren't above league average and right now they're looking like they're going to be you know going forth perhaps above league average that's a big deal yeah and so uh if you're 
watching us live on YouTube, of course, feel free to hop in that chat, drop your thoughts. Uh, we are reading them throughout the show. If you're listening in audio version, we'll you know let you know when we're reading the YouTube chat because you can't see it. You can also watch this episode on YouTube at the CHGO Sports YouTube page at any time if you would like to see uh, Brendan and I's beautiful faces, uh, which I'm sure, of course, you do. That's why you're here. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm noting that because in the chat, seeing a lot of chatter about Seiya Suzuki, um, yeah, obviously it's the homer, but a little bit of rust, obviously coming back this weekend, uh, seeing some chatter about Trey Mancini, some chatter about Matt Mervis. We're going to get to some of that, I think later in the show that most of that, I think falls into the Mervis doesn't fall into the negative category, but Mancini does. And the idea to bring up Mervis is going to have some, uh, negative conversation around it. So we're going to probably do that towards the end, but we do see it and we are going to get to it. Um, I want to start, Brendan, with yeah. some of the big bats over the weekend, uh, the first of which, Patrick Wisdom. So Patrick Wisdom hits a home run in every single game in this series. He tried to single-handedly win the game on Saturday, but just did not get the run support uh, around him. Uh, if he want, It's a bold strategy, but homering in every game, I think, will work out great. I think that's a really good strategy. He should just continue to do that. Uh, but Patrick Wisdom right now, his overall slash line, 255, 327 with a 681 slug. That is good for a 159 WRC plus, meaning that he is producing runs at a 59% uh, clip better than the league average hitter. That is really good. And not to jump ahead of you here, but I know what you're going to point out is oh, yeah. that right now his K rate sits at 30.8%. Why is that important? Because it was literally 10% higher uh, in 2021 when he first debuted with the Cubs. A huge weekend for Patrick Wisdom. And we talk about this lineup having some more contact-heavy guys, some doubles hitters, gap-to-gap hitters. You need that thump, right? And boy, has Patrick Wisdom provided that to start this season. Yeah, he's making improvements that you typically don't see. When he debuted... As a full-time player with the Cubs a couple of years ago, he was whiffing at almost a 40% clip. That's kind of in the same territory that you saw Javi Baez with that when he was a rookie in 2014 and why he went down in 2015 to work on some of those underlying issues. Wisdom had a lot of those whiff problems. A, again, 40% whiff rate. Then last year, that kind of went up. Contact rate from 61% to 66%. Last year, still in the bottom 10th percentile of the league. This year's a little bit interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it yet. His contact rate is 75%. So when you're looking at 61% to 66% to 75%, it may not be like off the charts dramatic. That is a mammoth improvement. Like the major league contact average rate is 76%. So Wisdom is hanging out with the league average contact guys while hitting mammoth home runs. The guys that do that, the hitters who don't whiff that much and hit for that much power, those are all-stars. Those are three, four, five win players. Now the question is, can Wisdom continue to do this, right? That's always the question. Is this a small sample size? The answer to that is yes and no. It, it depends how you want to look at this, right? Like from a statistical standpoint, K rate, contact rate takes around 50 to 100 plate appearances to rule out the majority of randomness or otherwise known as stability um, in statistical terms. But whether that is actually realistic to expect going forward, you don't know. The environment changes, pitchers adjust, scouting reports change, you know, baseball players can be finicky. It's hard to say, but you do know that wisdom over the last two years has tried to make conscious changes to improve. And when he's talking about those changes, whether it be mechanically changing his bats, he's gone with like different like bat knob sizes, right? You know, it's on his mind. So at least in early going, yeah, man, I'm looking at that like 60 plus plate appearance sample. I'm wondering this contact rate is it sustainable because the sample's not that small anymore. So now I'm wondering, can he, withstand some of the inevitable scouting report changes that come. And if he can, you know, we had the question of, should he platoon with Rios? Should he play in right field, um, you know, maybe 20% of the time to give third base and morale uh, opportunities? 
dude, if he's doing this, then like he's like, you know, you're bona fide everyday starter. It's, it's not a matter of should he play in right field or third base. It's like, how do you get this guy in the lineup every single day? Right. Well, and one of those home runs, I, I forget specifically which one because he hit so many home runs over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of those home runs was an elevated fastball, which is something that yeah. we've seen him struggle with. And I think yeah. that was the one that he took uh, to kind of like left center ish, like a little over Jason Hayward's head that hit that like big tarp they have in the LA outfield. Um, but you know, that's something we've seen him struggle with. So to see him take one of those pitches and drive it the way he did is obviously really encouraging. Uh, Ryan made a point earlier in the chat, um, that, you know, it's, it's good to see him in a more diverse lineup and protected a little bit more. Uh, and I think that's also part of it too. You see David Ross move him down depending on the type of pitcher they're facing, which handedness, et cetera. And I think kind of being in a lineup, unlike, you know, the majority of last year, like you're not looking at Patrick wisdom to be your best hitter, right? Like you've added a lot more to this lineup, say a Suzuki coming back lengthens this lineup, uh, from the beginning of the season. And it gives David Ross more of an ability to focus on what wisdom does well. I would also point out, I think he looks a lot better at third base. He made some nice plays there yeah. uh, this weekend in L.A. And, you know, last year he just made what what seemed like uncharacteristic errors for, for him. For I mean, given the, what you saw in 2021. In 2021, yeah. he was yeah. really good over there. Yeah. And last year it was a little sloppier. And so far in, in, in this year, even though he's being asked to sometimes play multiple positions, I think he looks a lot cleaner over there. So just all in all, again, like, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't expect him to have a 156 WRC plus, uh, come season end, but this power was always there. And if he's able to keep that K rate down, even just a little bit from kind of that, you know, really tip top area for him, he's, he's got a, a very solid bat. And I know, you know, some people maybe aren't sold on him. I think it takes a lot for high strikeout guys to really sell people that they can stop doing that. Uh, but at this point, you know, like guys, he's been on the team since 2021, you know, he had 375 plate appearances in 2021, 534 in 2022. Now in 2022, he was just barely above league average in terms of WRC plus at 104. So just 4% better than a league average hitter, but better than a league average hitter. He was at 117 the year before, and he's red hot right now. So at this point, the, the sample of him being able to be a productive major league hitter is quite large. And, yeah. you know, you, you don't have to buy him as an all-star or someone who should be hitting cleanup for this Cubs team, but as a contributing member hitting further down in the order, I'm very much sold on Patrick wisdom. And I think perhaps we haven't even seen the ceiling. I want to talk about Cody Bellinger, uh, and, and finish up, I think, you know, some of the offensive highlights before we hit our first ad break. Cody Bellinger with a big weekend. Of course, he goes back to back in the game on Sunday with Ian Hap, or excuse me, Patrick Wisdom. Uh, sorry, Patrick Wisdom is yeah. just hitting all the home runs. You know, too many um, offensive productions. You know, Ian, Ian Hap went back you know? to back with Seiya Suzuki. And yeah, Friday, you know, getting all the home runs. We're getting all, all these home runs. You know, the vibes yeah. are so good in here, you guys. It's just it's easy a problem. To forget, like, yeah. <laughs> which time did the Cubs go back to back? Brendan, which one are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but Cody Bellinger goes yard in the game on Sunday. Obviously, a huge run in that game. He robs Jason Hayward of a home run in center field, which, look, I don't want to get too much into this because he plays on a different team. It doesn't matter. I cannot express to you how grateful. If Cody Bellinger ever listens to this podcast, for, for my life, Cody, thank you for catching that ball so that I did not have to hear the discourse about Jason Hayward hitting a home run against the Chicago Cubs. Thank you, Cody Bellinger, to you, your family. It's it's so very much appreciated that you caught that ball. Thank you. Um, but the bigger thing, Brendan, Cody Bellinger yeah. now, again, everything is a small sample size, right? Not totally small, but it's it's still very early in the season. So everything we're talking about is just a few starts or you know, a couple weeks of games. But that being said, Cody Bellinger right now hitting just 245 batting average, but a 317 on base, 453 slug, good for a 103 WRC plus. So 3% above league average. And when we did, when we talked the other day, we were debating who you got and Luke had Cody Bellinger when he hit that home run late in the game uh, against the Mariners, that, that blowout loss, right? And he said, kind of a meaningless home run. But then we stopped and we said, meaningless to this game, but not meaningless to Cody Bellinger, right? 
because at the time he was at like, I think an 80 WRC plus, but it was creeping up. And the thing for Cody Bellinger has always been true since the Cubs signed him. You may not get the MVP, right? And that's okay. But with the defense he plays, which was on display in this series in Los Angeles, the way he runs the bases, he's a very smart and efficient base runner, always rates positively in those categories. If he is an average hitter, just an average hitter, that is a very valuable baseball player and well worth the, what, $18 million that the Cubs are paying him. So he's red hot, dude. I, you know, I, I, again, I already know what you're going to dig into right now when I turn the microphone over to you, but I'm just, I'm just pumped about it because you are not seeing a guy that is striking out all the time. You're seeing him literally robbing home runs. He's running the base as well. He's hitting for extra bases. He just looks good, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny that you're giving me the opportunity to talk about this stuff. I texted you earlier and you told me, quote, this is not a contact rate podcast, but you're giving me like the leads to talk about the contact rate stuff. So I'm going to do it. I mean, this is your fault. So 2021, his worst year, right? Well above 280. Contact rate under 73%, 72%. This year is almost 84%. League average, 76%. Cody Bellinger, 84%. To give more context context to that, Nico Horner last year was around 86%. Okay, So he's making as much contact as you saw Nico Horner make last season. So then the idea is, okay, you know, if he's making this much contact, what are the chances he continues to make quality contact? Is this just junk contact? Does it even matter if it's good contact? And I think right now you can make the argument that a lot of it is junk contact, because his outside the zone contact is up by about 20 percentage points. So it's kind of driving that overall contact rate. So the hope is because he's tracking pitches better, which you can clearly see if you watch these games and he's fouling pitches off and he's lasting through at bats. It's the idea that he's tracking pitches better, not striking out over time you can imagine that leading to to better quality contact. And you're seeing that within the last few games. He hit a mammoth bomb there in Los Angeles, dude. He hit a a mammoth bomb off one of the best lefties in the game. I know. And all he has to do is just be league average offensively. If you look at his stat line now, he's a 330 weighted on base average. He has a WRC plus of 103. If that stat line, just the offense alone, carries through the rest of the season, because of his defensive value, that's a three to three and a half win player, even maybe approaching four wins, depending how good his defense ends up being. For that price tag, for all the shortcomings the Cubs have had in center field over the years, that is a ginormous win from the front office and Jed Hoyer. And for me, again, I didn't expect much from Bellinger. I think you see a lot of the offensive shortcomings over the years. You kind of grow fatigued over guys like this because we've had Hayward and going through some of those changes. But you're seeing early on here that, you know what, like Bellinger looks good. Like, I don't know what to make. I don't want to get too excited about it because we've been hurt before, but like he looks really good and you can easily see his offense being the least league average. Yeah. Well, I mean, to that point, to quote our good friend, Cody Delmendo, we are all ready to get hurt again. <laughs> um, look, I, I watch him I was always in on that signing. Um, I thought it made a ton of sense, right? Just for where the Cubs were and the positional need and everything like that, the need for power, especially from the left side. Uh, But dude, watching him take Julio Urias deep, like I'm in, I'm not telling you he's going to win an MVP, but he, the the K rate is down. I mean, you keep bringing up MVPs. I know you're thinking about it in the back of your mind. You're kind of thinking, well, it's going to be tough because Patrick wisdom is going to win it. Well, that's so, true. Well, you know, yeah. Nico might be up there too. It's it's so. going to be a battle with his hundred stolen bases. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, look like he. If you look at some of the years Cody's had in the past, like he put up a one twelve WRC plus in the shortened season in twenty twenty. In just fifty six games, he was worth one point four wins above replacement. Right, fifty six games. If he was able to maintain that level of offensive production or something like that, right, even close to just a slightly above league average. Like that's a really valuable player for $18 million. And again, doing a lot of the things that you really needed on this team, good base running, elite defense and power. 
from the left side, and he's going to be able to provide that. Uh, also, because I'm seeing it in the chat, a lot of people are asking about the contract. Like if Cody Bellinger is really good, can he stay? He does have a mutual option, isn't it? and I think as uh, I saw somebody say in the chat, that rarely will get picked up. If he plays well enough that the Cubs would want to keep him, he'll test free agency yeah, and get a bigger contract. If he plays poorly, then the Cubs will decline that mutual option. Now, obviously, being the place that he has a chance to reclaim his career, if he does well, and he, you know, working with Dustin Kelly, some of these guys uh, that the Cubs have brought in, if he has a nice time, you know, the Cubs have an inside track to keep him if that is something that they want to do. Now you're all going to tell me in the YouTube chat that that's going to be occupied by PCA, so it doesn't matter. But that's the answer to the question. Um, anyway, a big weekend from Patrick Wisdom yeah. and Cody Bellinger. And, I, you know, again, look, they're they're both, for different reasons, volatile players, right? Like, they're, Patrick Wisdom may go through stretches where that K-rate catches up with him a little bit. And it's, it's a rough week. And we saw, you know, kind of a rough stretch for Dansby Swanson here, right? You know, a lot of strikeouts in, in one of these games. Like, these things happen, right? But I think... The key for both of these guys is that the underlying trends, the stuff under the hood looks good and and really, really promising for these guys to have nice, productive, successful seasons for the Cubs here. All right. We always do this. Whenever we do live shows, we're always late on these ad breaks. So let me do the ad break here. Uh, I haven't done a live ad break in a while. Um, hopefully I read this correctly. All right. First ad break here from our sponsor, DraftKings is NBA playoffs time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with a touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app to opt in and place a same game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. I'm watching the Suns game in the background right here. I think the opening line was like eight and a half points. Uh, it does not look good for the Suns right now. And our fellow friends at PHNX, you guys can download this app now. Sign up with code CHGO. Again, new customers, if you make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets, if your team wins, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code, again, CHGO. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Help line ma.org in New York. Call 877 877-8- Hope NY or text Hope NY for six seven three six nine. Second break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. I've used Game Time to get last minute tickets to hockey games. Over the past season, even recently during spring training, I know when I use game time, I'm seeing the lowest prices guaranteed. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. It's the fastest ticketing app in the country for a reason. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO. For $20 off, download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I I, I do like there's a, a YouTube comment from Mrs. D. Kessler. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if, if you were watching the game on <laughs> Marquee this afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, but Boog kind of calling uh, Rick Sutcliffe out for reading both options of yeah. the ad read that they had. Uh, yeah. It's either a double or a double play, and Rick Sutcliffe read <laughs> both of those things uh after a double um so that was pretty funny i mean my live, ad read right there was spectacular yeah that was, was one of the best know, that's sort of what it's like in the chgo yeah. studios when you know luke and, and cody and ryan are going back and forth on the yeah. reads uh well, i feel great about that you know the stick zero the detail zero mess ups right there zero no mess you're ups. good yeah i know no and unlike boog since i don't do any i'm not going to call you out yeah well <laughs> there's no reason to call me out, so. i'm just going to mind my my business yes big dave is the goat 
ad reader on the CHGO Bulls podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay, before we jump into the pitching, I do just want to note, we talked about Ian Happ a ton after he got extended and over the last week. I don't have much to add on him. He looks incredible. Uh, yeah. But that night on Friday night, four for four, I, I mean, mean, are you kidding absurd. me? Just absurd. an incredible night from Ian Happ. Yeah, uh, just man. very well-deserved everything that's happening to him. Just very happy that they got that done. And uh, especially that he was showing out immediately after signing that extension. It always <laughs> feels good, right? Like the team makes a decision like that. And then you're watching the games going sick. Like this yeah. guy gets to stick around. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about the pitching. Hold on, Nico. Start... You got to bring up Nico. We're going to talk about Nico, but I okay. it, but I want to stick okay. to the pitching, the the, okay. the key okay. highlights. We you'll get time to talk about Nico Thank Horner, you. the I biggest base stealing threat in I, Major I, League I, Baseball. Hundred stolen bases. Shortly. Yes. yes. Uh, I want to talk about the starting pitching. So the starting pitching, so good this weekend, really, uh, in general, has been quite good. Uh, obviously, you know, kind of waiting for Hayden Wisniewski to settle in and take that next step, but we know the potential there, and that's why you have him in the five slot, so that he has opportunity to grow and learn and take those lumps and eventually mold into the guy that we've seen last year. Cody says, where are the graphs? They're coming. Oh, they're We're about coming. To talk about Justin <laughs> Steele. Coming. You're going to get plenty. Um, yeah. Let's, but the starting rotation specifically in this series in Los Angeles, like anytime you're facing the Dodgers again, it's, it's not one of their best lineups in, in the last several years. Will Smith is out dealing with uh, something, but you still have Mookie Betts. You still have Freddie Freeman. You've got JD Martinez now in the middle of that order. There's some lethal guys in this lineup and the Cubs starters just absolutely lights out. Uh, in this series, a total of 17 and two thirds innings pitch. They allow just nine hits uh, as a trio, that being Justin Steele, Jamison Tyone, and Drew Smiley. Just three earned runs combined, 18 strikeouts and five walks. Uh, just setting the pace for this, for exactly what we needed from this team. We we've talked kind of all year. Do they have a Cy Young winner? Do they have that like? Jacob deGrom, sub one and a half ERA, 23 win kind of guy. I don't know. Maybe. It might be Justin Steele. It might be Marcus Stroman, right? The way they're pitching and going right now. But what they we, we expected from this team is that their starting pitching was going to keep them in games and allow them to win games with this offense. And that is exactly what they did all weekend and then some. And I want to read a tweet from our guy, Ryan Herrera. You can read all his work at allchgo.com, at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Justin Steele, since he became a dad on July 11th, 2020, which was also his 27th birthday, a 1.46 ERA, a 1.103 whip, 10.1 strikeouts per nine innings, and just 2.9 walks per nine inning. That start on Friday against the Dodgers, Seven innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. He's two and zero on the year. I I almost cannot say enough good things about Justin Steele, yeah. but I will turn it to you to tell us how he's doing it. I I think you're going to note it, but I'm hoping you're going to talk about that pitch he struck Mookie Betts on. Oh, he yeah. struck out Mookie Betts on. Oh yeah, because that was disgusting. Yeah, I think I sent this to you, Joey. By the way, shout out to Joey. He's doing his like third straight show today. On a Sunday. Uh, so I think there's a gif of Justin Steele striking out Mookie. I gave him a few gifts. He may have gotten this lost. But basically, if you look at how Justin Steele is succeeding this year, a lot of it is similar to what he was doing last year in the second half. And if you're following along here, this is great. I cannot this is believe the nerdiest this, this podcast. This is so been. awesome. Yeah. So if you're not watching this on YouTube, you got to get on YouTube. <laughs> uh, this is this is so cool. I'm like I'm kind of mesmerized by this. So uh, this graph that you're looking at, this is Justin Steele's four seam fastball in blue. There's two pitches moving. The red one is the major league average fastball, and. This is like his actual StatCast movement. This is not like some make-believe stuff. I basically copy and paste StatCast movement, and I generate this graph. It's that animated graph showing how the two pitches differ. These two pitches end up in the exact same location, okay? But if you look at that blue pitch, it looks as if it's higher than that red pitch. This is your cut rising fastball. So you see that red pitch, it has some like tailing sinking action. That's your typical four seam average fastball. This blue one is a cut rising four seam fastball. Now the major league average horizontal movement for a fastball is around eight inches of tailing action. 
Justin Steele has almost two inches of cutting action, and it gives the illusion as if it's not dropping that much. So this pitch is what got J.D. Martinez to swing through the entire night. And that's the pitch that is, when we're talking about competitive misses, that's exactly what that is. Because Steele can try to go down and in from what John Lester was trying to get him to do. And if he doesn't hit that spot, he's going to miss up and away. And you just saw it right there. When he misses up and away, it's difficult to hit. He got J.D. Martinez several times on that pitch, Corey. So now that fastball, that four-seam fastball, is rating well above league average. When he finished the season last year, from a stuff perspective, like the features that predict run probability, his stuff was 90% better from his four-seam uh, features than the league. That's, that's insane. And then you have like that slider that you were talking about. And I'll give it back to you. I can talk about this for like three hours. That slider that he struck Mookie bets out on. I don't know if you have this. I don't know if I remember if I sent this to Joey or not. So that slider is absurd. The average horizontal break on a slider from a lefty is around like six to seven inches. Steals is around 15 inches, almost three times that, about two and a half times that of your major league average. And he throws it from the same over-the-top release point that gives that cutting, rising fastball illusion. And it just makes it even more nasty. You saw the pitching ninja consistently show those whiffs, making some of these hitters look silly. And that slider likewise is rating 90% better than the rest of the league. So for years, I was wondering, all right, should he throw the sinker? Should he develop this changeup? You know, the question is, is no longer about that. He's very reminiscent. I don't know if I said this on air yet. He's very reminiscent of what Chris Archer was doing years ago as a righty, where he's throwing you know, a breaking pitch almost once every other time, but he was a dominant two pitch guy and he had success. And he, he was in the discussions as one of the best pitchers in the league. And you're seeing Justin Steele in that discussion now, like he has the best ERA in major league baseball since last July. Like, you know, you have ERA, you have all who cares? He's the best in that one category. And it makes sense given what you're seeing with all these different pitch mixes. Yeah, I mean, in that the the breaking ball to Mookie Betts, like the 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 way that that pitch appears to be in the zone for so long, and it ends up so far in off the plate, is just I mean, it's remarkable. And you know, we knew that he was impossible, right? I think the pitching ninja has referred to it as basically impossible to hit yeah. if you're a left-handed hitter, right? Yeah. But Mookie Betts taking that gross of a swing, JD Martinez taking those gross swings, like Justin seals out there dealing you guys for seven innings on a Friday night in Los Angeles. Like, and he has been absolutely lights out, uh, for quite a run here. So uh, maybe the Cubs do have a Cy Young candidate and maybe it's Justin Steele. Yeah. I mean, the question is, can he go 170, 190 innings? You know, he had that, that back, fatigue problem in September last year, but it's not a matter of his stuff being good. Like that's established. That's, that's more than established. It's a matter of, can we just see it for a full year? Can you withstand the every fifth day workload? And yeah. that's what we're going to see. He's got that dog in him. I, I think he can. Uh, but someone in the chat mentioned, uh, how good Stroh has been too. And, you know, something that I, I, keep tweeting basically after Justin Steele starts. So then it's the both of them. The two of them at the top of this rotation have been absolutely, you could not oh, have yeah. asked for more from these two at the top of this rotation. Uh, 37 innings pitch between the two of them, just five earned runs allowed, 39 strikeouts and 14 walks. That is good for a 1.22 ERA uh, between Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele. But the key here, right? And this is, you know, sort of a narrative based stat, whatever you want to say, but it's important because we talk about this staff, keeping the Cubs in games and, and pitching winnable games for an offense that you don't expect to score 10 runs a night. Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman have taken the mound six times combined in 2023, six quality starts every time, yeah. at least six innings, less than three runs. That is a recipe to win do. baseball games with the that defense they have behind them. If they're going to pitch like that, this offense can score enough for those guys to keep winning games. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. 
All right, another ad break here from Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've ever worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optic for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays has the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Taken together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off. Two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The Shades are rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Second break here from our sponsor, Foco. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They have hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It's spring and baseball season. Weather warming up. You can get Aloha shirts. I know Ryan, he's in the chat over here, loves his Hawaiian shirts. Go to Foco, get some Aloha shirts. You have straw hats, you have polos, you have bags, everything you need for a game. Even set decorations. Foco has donated a few awesome pieces for our sets. Go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. You must use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Nailed all these ad breaks. Zero mess ups, Corey. I mean, like, I feel you're, great. You're up here, Brendan. Rick I know. Cliff is down here. I know. You know. I know. That's how it is. You guys are basically the same. They should um, learn from me. All right. So before we get into Nico, and you can talk about Nico, and then I want to talk about Thank some you. of the bullpen stuff. Um Anything in particular jump out to you? We saw, uh, obviously, a much better outing from Jamison Tyone. Drew Smiley was good. Again, anything in particular yeah. for those two jump out to you? You know, they're veterans, right? So with Smiley, it's just a matter of getting comfortable with his pitch mix. You know, he pitches backwards, throws that knuckle curveball almost once every other pitch. Uh, throws a lot of cutters as well. Very rarely throws that four seam. For him, it's just locating those pitches, hitting the edges with consistency. You know, the start against the Dodgers kind of hit or miss at times. He did settle down, looked a lot better, especially on that curveball to Freddie Freeman uh, to end the fifth inning, I believe. So, you know, just getting comfortable. Jamison Tyon, seven different pitch types, same type of thinking. He is showing the sweeper more than I expected. Sweepers grading well above the average. Like that's what you want to see. So from like a pitching stuff score, as I always mention, the stuff, the features that determine run prevention, those features are horizontal break from your fastball, velocity difference from your fastball, uh, spin rate, all of those features to predict run prevention, the same features that Tyon has are typically the strongest run predictors and those features that Tyon has are about better than 80% of sliders right now. And this is a new slider, so a new sweeper, and he has seven different pitch types, so it's encouraging. So for him, just get in the groove, locate those pitches better. He's leaving his four-seam over the play a little bit too much. Curl both a little bit leaky, but he has that track record. He is that veteran. You expect that stuff to stabilize over just many more starts, and there's, there's no concerns. Velocity looks great. Stuff looks great. Just dial in on that command, and everything will start to return. Yeah, five innings, just two hits, no runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts for Tyone. Five and two-thirds, four hits, one earned, two walks, and three strikeouts from Drew Smiley. Again, you know, at some point, you know, you want more length, but uh, a much better start from Jamison Tyone, uh, really limiting the base runners against a tough offense. Would have liked to see him get the W for the way that he pitched yeah. there. Uh, but again, both starts that kept the team in the game, and uh, in one of them, the offense was able to muster enough to fly the W or light the W or both, whatever we're doing now, all of it, whatever yeah. you want to do with the W, do it. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, so let's talk about Nico Horner. I know you wanted Thank to talk you. about him 
uh, at the top of the lineup. We, we keep it, you know, try to keep your gushing to somewhat of a minimum. I want to talk about some guys in the bullpen, the Mancini Mervis situation, because the chat wants to hear it. But uh, Nico Horner, uh, a base stealing threat. And to say that's least. something we wondered coming into the year, right? With him moving into the leadoff spot, the bigger bases, um, you know, you have a, a better base running group all around. And we kind of wondered like, Hey, if this team can't score, you know, seven, eight runs a game, right? Like, are they going to be more aggressive? Are they going to try to force the issue? Uh, and Nico Horner certainly, uh, jumping on that particular yeah. idea there. So yeah. what do you, what do you want to talk about with Nico Horner, Brendan? I mean, everything, Corey. Also, I do want to point out, I have a W tattoo, Corey. Like, I think, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to show the listeners. Tap the W. I know. Look at this. Do you see that on my finger? Wow. I know. So when you call me your nerd, man, tell me first off, how many nerds have like pristine A two thousands? You know, I played shortstop. I got tattoos. Like I'm not. I'm. You're more of a nerd than I am. So find me a nerd that has all of this. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about this offline. I know yeah, we will. You're so mad right now. You're like, why are you doing this? <laughs> why are you doing this? Um, Nico Horner. All right. So Joey, I gave you a graph. Um, Nico Horner is doing some cool stuff. Beautiful. Look at look at this graph. So this is showing Nico Horner's swing probability from 2020. So the, the years are off here. I made a mistake. So the far graph on the left, the left panel is 2021, middle is 2022, far right is 2023. So the, the darker, the more red the zone, the more Nico Horner is swinging at pitches. So you're noticing that in the far right strike zone, it's not as red as in years past. And some of the chases that are on inside pitches are no longer there. His chase rate is better by about six percentage points, and it's about league average now. So that's awesome to see. That means that at least in early going, he's kind of embracing that leadoff challenge. And one of the concerns going into the year was if Nico's going to bat leadoff, does he swing at too many pitches? Does he make actually too much contact where he's not going to give the top of the order a chance to see pitches, right? Give the top of the order a chance to fatigue the starting pitcher. And that may still be ultimately not his strong suit, not his role in an ideal lineup, but in the early going, he's doing more than enough. He's getting on base. He's going to steal, you know, hundred uh, st uh, stolen bases this year. He's taking his walks, slugging, hitting the hell out of the baseball. Like, man, like Nico yeah, so Horner. Just as we predicted, uh, as we sit here on, what did I say it was, April 16th? I forget yeah. the date. Yeah. Uh, Nico Horner tied atop the major league lead for stolen bases with Cedric Mullins of the Baltimore Orioles. There you go. Just there as we go. would have predicted, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, like you look at someone, you know, he's not going to hit the home runs uh, that, you know, certain guys are, but his contact ability, his elite base running that is now going to be even more valuable with how many bases he's going to steal his elite defense at second base. This dude's a stud. Like this is just a really valuable baseball player. Yes, he is. Um, yes, who, he is. if you forgot the Cubs extended just for a little bit, but yeah. he is here for uh, a little while. So let's, let's get into the, the issue the chat wants, which is Matt Mervis. Uh, <laughs> Matt Mervis is, just like shockingly good. Um, and he continues to demonstrate his ability uh, in AAA, you know, rolling over from last year. We, I think a lot of people gave the Cubs some leeway thinking, okay, this guy was drafted in 2020, very weird circumstances, right? It was a shortened draft. The Cubs have to call him and sign him. Uh, he ha does not have a ton of professional experience at this point but you're watching him just explode through these levels. He's dominating every level. They send him to the Arizona fall league. He dominates there. Every little thing he could possibly be doing, he's dominating. So they gave, I think everybody gave them some leeway, like, Hey, let's start him down there. We don't want to put too much pressure on him. We're not really sure what this team is going to look like. Let's make sure he kind of comes in and has another year uh, of success. And boy, Brendan, uh, is he doing that in triple a? Yeah. Um, his line right now, I'm looking at MILB.com. Uh, he's got a 293 average with a 456 on base, a 1041 OPS. He's got three homers on the year. 
Uh, and unless I am mistaken, he is walking more than he's striking out. And I That's believe I recipe. said that correctly. He is yeah. walking more than he is striking out. So, right, when you pair that, Brendan, with one Trey Mancini, who okay. is currently the least valuable player in baseball, if you were looking at wins above replacement. Uh, he is, is he really the least? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that that one that one is a note from friend of the podcast Matt Clapp. Uh, so okay. I'm taking his word on that one, but he's at a negative 0.5 already. Mm, that's not good. Year. He's got a real quickly 37 WRC plus. That is not good. Horrible. I'm 90% positive John Lester had a <laughs> WRC plus <laughs> yeah. in some seasons. Jake Arrieta definitely did. Oh, for sure. Um, Eric Hosmer, I think, has been overall okay when you dig into a lot of the underlying stuff it gets a little scarier like a 76 wrc plus for a guy that is mostly around league average in his career as a hitter eric hosmer's made some good scoops over at first base um but he's hitting the ball on the ground at a shocking uh, rate even yeah, for for him he's a ground ball guy but he yeah. is pounding the ball into the ground and it you know is below league average in terms of production. Trey Mancini also, uh, he, he seems like a, a very likable guy. So I don't want to like brag on him, but he's looked terrible at every position the Cubs have used him at. Just not in good like uh, position. He's he, he dropped the ball today. That was a really big play like that. Really very nearly messed up that game on Sunday. Uh, he's looked rough when they've tried him in right field. Um <laughs> <Cody>. <laughs> Um, it's a but, serious discussion, Joe. We stopped so making him laugh. I think we knew that the Mervis thing was going to be a discussion, right? But this is kind of what a lot of us expected, where the issue is being rapidly forced, right? And I've seen the discussion in the chat. The interesting nuance here, right, is that the the Cubs have Eric Hosmer on a similar situation to Jason Hayward with the Dodgers. The San Diego Padres pay, basically, Eric Hosmer to play for the Chicago Cubs. I think the Cubs have to give him the league minimum or whatever. But the big contract is paid by the Padres, just like Jason Hayward for the Dodgers. So he is a lot easier to cut bait with than Trey Mancini is. Trey Mancini, who signed a two-year, $14 million deal. He can opt out after 2023, but he needs 350 plate appearances. So it's not a ton of money. You could move on from it if you wanted. You can move somebody to a bench roll, et cetera. And all of this is pretty quick. I'm not sure if I expect them to do this this quick, but Brendan, yeah, with where this team is, they're showing themselves to be competitive. They just took two or three on the road from the Los Angeles Dodgers in Dodger Stadium, Right. This team is showing themselves to be competitive. You have to maximize every little single yeah. position, matchup, et cetera, et cetera. And right now, we don't know what Matt Mervis will look like when he comes up. It's still a tall order for a guy to just make that jump and continue playing at the level that he is right now. But it's going to get loud really quick. It's it already, already loud is. in our yeah. chat. It's loud on Twitter. Because people are looking at this thinking these other guys are not getting it done. And it might get worse for some yeah. of them. If you bring up Mervis, what if, Brendan, what if he does look like this? What if you insert a lefty power hitting first baseman into this lineup? Now, all of a sudden, are we having a different discussion about not just this team being competitive, right? But yeah, in, in, through a few weeks in April, this division looks like it's up for grabs, right? Are we having a different discussion if Matt Mervis is coming up and dropping bombs out of that, let's say, five slot in the order and playing first base? So the, the question in my mind is, let's say you don't call up Matt Mervis for the next month. What are the odds that you miss the playoffs by two games, three games, right? And then I ask the question, okay, what are the odds you miss the playoffs if you lose Hosmer? Right now, right, right, and to me, there's more of a risk not playing Mervis now than getting rid of Hosmer. And the Hosmer situation is tricky, right? Because he has the clubhouse presence. That stuff matters internally. Yeah. I don't quite understand it. I'm not a major league baseball I think player. Man, you know, Mancini too. 
Well, Manski's on this team. He's not going anywhere. Like yeah. 14 million, that's for better or for worse, that's going to be something Jed does not part with. We've seen him kind of be a little bit um stubborn. I don't, I don't want to say stubborn, but like the Nick yeah. Magical situation, right? Like he's not going to cut bait with these guys. So that's not even in, in the discussion. The discussion for me is black and white, Hosmer, Matt Mervis, right? Yeah. And so if you get rid of Hosmer now, what are the repercussions internally? Does that cause distrust? Does it I, I don't I don't know. For me in a vacuum, Hosmer should not be in this team right now. He doesn't have the offensive ceiling, nor at this point the floor to suggest that his projection going forward is obviously going to be different than Matt Mervis's projection, right? And Matt Mervis may not succeed. He may not be that guy that we hope he is and what he's showcasing in AAA. But for the Cubs to make the playoffs right now, this season, they will not make, there's a chance they miss the playoffs, even if they hit on some of the top extremes on their pitching. There's still a chance they miss the playoffs. There's a smaller chance if you hit on the extremes from your entire roster. And one of the extremes is Matt Mervis. If he comes up and he's an above average offensive hitter, then that 82 to 83 win projection turns into 84 wins, 85 wins, 86 wins. And the longer you wait, the more risk you accept on not making the playoffs. So what is more of a risk losing Hosmer and missing the playoffs or missing out on Mervis now? Is yeah. that, to me, it's like almost obvious. So uh, a couple things. First, I do just want to say Cody pointed this out. We've got a couple hundred people here watching live. If you enjoy uh, Brendan and I's conversation, or even if you are waiting for Luke and Cody and Ryan to get back with it on Monday, please hit that like button. It helps uh, the entire team, the entire channel. So if you, if you are watching, please hit that thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and to Marcus, Marcus made some point in the chat, like, let's not talk about the playoffs, right? It's early April. Uh, but I can dream, I, you know, well, but I'm an optimistic like person. The right reason now. everybody's talking about Mervis is exactly that point though, right? You have to nail this stuff every single day for this team to make the playoffs. This is not a cakewalk of a division. It is not a juggernaut of a roster, right? This is not the 2016 Cubs. You know what I'm saying? Where they're just going to go pole to pole and be the best team in the league and win the division by 20 games. They have to get every game right. They have to get every matchup right. They have to get every start right, every call up right. It's a very thin line and it's hard to expect that, right? Of Jed Hoyer and David Ross and everybody. It's it's a thin line, but that's what they got to do. So that's why everybody's talking about this. The thing for me, dude, like I I think, you know, in general, like I was okay with Hosmer because I think I thought he could be like around a league average hitter. Um, Again, like, you know, his defense doesn't rate well on the metrics, but he's made some really nice picks. Like he's bailed out some of these infielders a few times. Um, that being said, he literally has a two thirds ground ball rate. He, he is hitting a ground ball 67% of the time. Like that is, uh, that's absurd. It's just not a good trend for a guy that's always done that. And so whenever they want to do it, I'll try to be patient, but you've got a guy in Mervis who has earned this and he represents an ability to make the team better and and hit a ceiling that maybe these other guys just don't have the potential for. I do want to read a uh, super chat here for 10 bucks uh, from Ginger Nation. Uh, he says, just became a CHGO diehard member. I accidentally bought two of the same shirt. LOL. <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, love the show and go Cubs. I shared it on all the socials too, by the way. Thank Hashtag you. vibe with us. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us. Appreciate the super chat. Enjoy those shirts. Uh, if you accidentally bought two, I, I think reach out to one of us. We can probably swap those out for a different shirt. Yeah. Uh, as go. Joey said, yeah. send us a DM on Twitter and we'll we'll swap out uh, so you can have uh, one of each shirt. But appreciate the support very much. Um, oh, look at that. Well whoa, done, Mash Joey. Mervis. Joey's yeah. got a Mash Mervis mashed potatoes very uh, nice. here on the YouTube. Extra um, butter in those potatoes. Okay. So, again, we'll see what the Cubs do. Right. I would force the issue. I would bring Mervis up um, and see what happens there, because if he is a middle of the order power threat and, you know, you don't expect him to walk more than he's striking out at the MLB level. That's a crazy expectation for what would be a rookie. But he's he's like that's so important at the minor league level. He's showing you that his discipline is so evolved past that level. And you just got to 
I think you got to try it. The, this team is showing they have the life to be competitive and you have to support them. You know, that was always going to be a key for this front office and this coaching staff that if they showed those signs of life, you have to be aggressive on this stuff. Yeah. You can't let bad contracts or veterans or guys that are struggling, it doesn't matter who it is, take up too much time because if you're showing that life and ability to be competitive, you have to grab it by the neck and and really kind of take that opportunity. Um, last thought, and then we'll get out of here because we okay. just hit an hour and we do want to let our wonderful producer, Joey, uh, get on with his Sunday. Uh, but a lot of talk about the bullpen, right? Keegan Thompson, unbelievable. Just a monster outing uh, on Saturday uh, to keep that game going. I would have let him finish that game. He was in a groove. You know he can go multiple innings. I would have let him finish that game. Uh, Michael Fulmer obviously blows the save on Saturday, but comes back on Sunday and does a nice job. Uh, Mark Leiter Jr., if y'all give anybody else credit for Mark Leiter Jr., other than the CHGO Cubs crew, I'm suing you because we were talking <laughs> all of last year. Don't watch him as a starter. Watch him as a reliever. This guy gets the job done, and he has been really good. He's got like a yes. two-and-a-half ERA in 56 some innings as a reliever for the Chicago Cubs. A, like Hitters are hitting like 180 against him. Splitter's nasty, dude. Like he's going up there and getting Max Muncie and Freddie Freeman, these guys. Like, come on. He's got it. My question to you, Brendan, you've written about Fulmer a little bit. You've studied kind of some of the stuff that he's added with the, the sweeper. How do you feel about the usage in the bullpen this weekend? Are you moving things around? Do you think Ross got that call wrong on Saturday? Any any thoughts about the highest of leverage innings for this team? There's not an obvious decision, right? So to say, oh, you know, Ross should have stayed with Keegan. Maybe some of you think it's obvious and, and that's fine, but there's really not an obvious decision here. So with Ross, you know, you can criticize him for maybe not giving him the opportunity, but he's given other guys opportunities in high leverage situations. He had Boxberger finish out the game today, then let Fulmer go in the ninth. But when you look at who has the stuff, just look at stuff alone in the bullpen right now. There's three guys that have objectively the features that predict the least amount of runs. And those three guys are Keegan Thompson, Adber Alzali, and, and Fulmer. So then the idea is, which of those guys have the best pitch? And that's between, right now, Fulmer and Keegan Thompson, and Alzali is right there. Fulmer has moved the needle with this sweeping slider. Going into the year, it was probably Alzali with that slider. But both Keegan Thompson and Fulmer have developed these sliders. And Keegan developed it last year. He's throwing it way more this year. Those two pitches right now, from Keegan's stuff is better than 95% of sliders. Keegan Thompson. Fulmer, similarly, better than 95% of sliders. Alzelai's around like around 85 to 90%. So of those three, which is the obvious one? There's there's limitations for all three of those guys. Alzelai doesn't have the track record. Keegan Thompson might be best suited in a multi-inning role. Former probably makes the most sense to get the first opportunity, given that he has that wipeout pitch. So I'm fine with it, right? I think the idea of him pitching to Peralta, you can criticize that in the moment, given that he doesn't have that wipeout pitch against a lefty at this point. And you saw him when he missed on that cutter to Peralta, you know, you lost a game. You can criticize that particular strategy, but I'm okay with giving former opportunities now. And I don't think it's an obvious decision. Now, if we're having this discussion yeah. in June, then the obvious decision is you need to go out and make a trade so you have right. this stability. But now, given what we have, you can't do that. I think you kind of have to make the most of who you got. And right now, Fulmer, like I can see the logic of, of giving him the opportunity at this point. Do you think the Phillies would be interested in a package of Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer for Greg Emerald? <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, the game on Saturday, like it was, a, it was a bit, somebody said this earlier in the chat, it was a bit of a Babbitt loss for Michael Fulmer, right? It, but like, that's, but that's his issue though. So I, no, I know yeah. you've said that he doesn't yeah. get enough swing and miss and, yeah. and that's going to happen, right? If you don't get enough swing and miss guys, put the ball in play. And like that one that won the game, it's just out of the reach of your elite second baseman. And that sucks. You just lost the game. Right. But you know, it wasn't like he's, it's not like he's serving a, a to Jared, 
Kelnick, he did last week. But in general, he's not serving up <laughs> 500 foot home runs. He only did that once, right? Uh, just that one time. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think so. I think that's fine. Like you said, we can kind of keep trying it and playing it by ear. My, my only thing on Saturday, though, like I, I just didn't like the Keegan was rolling, man. Like that just didn't feel like an opportunity to me where you have to go to your ninth inning or high leverage closer, man. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that's a situation where I would like David Ross to say, you know what, I'm just going to win the or lose this game with Keegan Thompson. He's been that dog, the mayor, as Cody says, out of the bullpen since last year, right. He was rolling. He looked good. I, I would have just won or lost with Keegan there, but at that point, it's it's nitpicking. It's just frustrating. You know, again, every every little loss is important. And especially when you're, Julio Urias was looming, felt like he really needed that one. But they came back with a great effort on Sunday. I uh, want to read one last super chat from Tyler. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Troxel. Uh, first time seeing y'all on a live show. Love the chemistry, stats, graphs, and of yep. course the constant reminders of 2016, which Tyler, you didn't include this uh, in your comment, but in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. So that's what uh, yeah. he's referring to. Won the World to, Series, Which correct, many yes. people forget. Yeah. Go Cubs. Yeah. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah. We appreciate that. Appreciate your support. Um, last thought, we don't have to get into it. I'm just going <laughs> to say it. At some point, we got to figure out what we're doing here with Luis Torrens and Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal isn't even playing. And there's been pinch hit spots that you would have used a contact hitter, and he doesn't get those opportunities. This isn't even my opinion on Madrigal. This is like David Ross isn't even using him in the spots where you would think he would use a right-handed contact first guy, right? So it's just a little weird. And like, I don't know. Torrance doesn't have any options. I get that they want to keep catching depth uh, in the system, you know, in case somebody gets hurt or something like that think he had a good run with his bat at one point uh last year but uh, you know come on right like i i just i'm not so sure about it like at this point nelson velasquez goes down after hitting the grand slam christopher morell's blasting home runs every night like i don't know where everybody's gonna play and i get yeah. that that's a concern you want guys getting regular playing time but at some point i think gotta clean up some of the margins on the roster for guys that just either aren't contributing, aren't showing you anything or aren't playing. Uh, it just is, it's, it's head scratching. Um, but I think that is, yes. And it, you know, Edwin Rios isn't getting in there a lot who I do like, uh, that is all we have. We're way over time. We have to let Joey go. Uh, but the crew will be back uh, for all your pre and post game needs. Uh, this week as the Cubs get ready to uh, turn the page here and face the Oakland Athletics uh, for three out in Oakland. So some late start times, uh, 840 Central for the first two, 230 on Wednesday. So unfortunately, unlike Brendan, who's out in San Diego, those of us in Chicago have to prepare for just a couple more late nights. Uh, I hope you're happy. It's, I am very happy, Corey. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, we appreciate very much your support, uh, staying up with us here late on a Sunday night to talk about the Cubs winning their third straight series in a row. They take two of three out in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Brendan and I will be back Ooh. with you next Sunday for another show for the weekly recap. Like I said, uh, Cody, Luke, and Ryan will be back with you for pre and post. I will be in the studio, I think, on Wednesday for the post-game show. So if you're just tuning in for me, I'll be back on Wednesday. All right? You don't have to wait that long. But no, tune in uh, on Monday for Cody, Luke, and Ryan, your pre- and post-game needs as the Cubs are still out west in Oakland, we appreciate your support for all things going on at CHGO and the CHGO Cubs. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you download the DraftKings app and sign up. Brendan and I will talk to you again next Sunday. We appreciate your support. And as always, go Cubs.